Well, hello, Crosspoint family. My name is Josh Stevens. Me and my wife, Megan, and our two girls, Naomi and Zoe, have been attending for about a year and a half. We've been covenant members now for about six months. <laughs> Today, I will be reading from Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Let's hear the word of the Lord. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had distracted them, directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thanks, brother. So that's where we'll be this morning. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to get there. Uh, if you don't have a good Bible to read at home, uh, we have free ones at Guest Connections as well as uh, in the corner space, the Bibles and Books area. We have CSB Study Bibles. Again, if that would be a free resource to help encourage you in the faith, to equip you, please grab that on your way out. Today, we've, uh, we've got the standalone Sunday before we move into a uh, four-week series that we've creative, creatively called Advent uh, during the month of December, uh, looking at uh, hope and love and peace and joy and those themes about how uh, in the coming of Christ as well as in the second coming of Christ, we have these realities. And so uh, this Sunday is a standalone message. And with it, I want to cast some vision about uh, where the Lord is taking us, the next step that he is taking us to in 2024, as well as remind us of the mission that we've been called to as the people of God here at Crosspoint. So we'll start with the why. Why does Crosspoint exist in our mission statement? Then we'll move to the how. How will we pursue this mission? And then we'll get to the what. Well, what is one next step that we are taking as a church family as we move into the new year. So why, how, and what? We'll primarily spend the most of our time on the why. So let's first tackle that one. The answer written in why we exist is there on uh, metal, wall, or metal letters there on the wall that we exist to bring glory to God by making disciples of Jesus who live 3D together. No, there will not be a test after the service if you have that memorized. But feel free to ask an elder or staff to see if they got it down. All right? That's just for me. But 3D meaning devoted to Jesus, dedicated to one another, driven to reach people. That's also in your program. We all come from various backgrounds. Some of you began attending church really, really young. Others of you did not darken a church door, possibly until your Crosspoint experience. All sorts of various denominations represented here. Some grew up in a very legalistic home. Others of you grew up in a home with absolutely no boundaries. Some grew up in a works-based, false gospel uh, type of uh, of, of living and thinking. Others of you grew up seeing and living out and talking about the gospel of God's grace. There are different economic classes here, mar marital statuses. Not everyone who calls Crosspoint home came from Woodford County. Praise Jesus. So knowing that, we all come in to a local church with a set of preconceived ideas about what the local church should look like, what it should believe, how it should function, what it should be about. A lot of that is shaped by our upbringing. A lot of that is shaped by our, by our experiences and what we've witnessed around us. And if we're not really clear on why we exist and the, uh, and the unified mission we are on, then what happens is disunity and confusion and, as a result, frustration. When the local church is confused about its mission, it can start to slip into missions that might appear good on the outside. And yet they've strayed from the mission that Jesus has called us to. So here are four examples of misdirected missions. One is a church 
simply gathers socially. So the church becomes an organization that gathers socially. So they gather for services, meals, events. But the goal is not to grow as a disciple of Jesus. It's simply to hang out with people and talk about things not really related to faith and life, just superficial things. Another misdirected mission is, is the church becomes an organization that just does a lot of things. So the church calendar is full. The lights are on a lot. But no one really knows how these events and things are coming together for a unified purpose. People going in a lot of diff different directions, but not necessarily ultimately in the same direction. The church is busy and active, but they don't really know why, why they're doing all these things. Another misdirected mission is an organization that preserves the past. I'm not talking about holding fast to the Word of God and orthodox, biblically grounded Christianity. I'm talking about the local church becomes more like a museum to their, their past rather than a mission to the, to the world. It does things because, well, we've always done those things that way. The church's mission is simply to preserve and protect the status quo of the small K kingdom of that church rather than advancing the kingdom of God and the king of kings and his name. Finally, the last uh, misdirected mission that comes to mind is the church becomes an organization that's centered on a personality, a human personality. So the church becomes about a human rather than Jesus. It becomes a cult of personality, often around a really strong either lay leader or the point leader or a family tree within the church. And often sometimes then when the senior leader leaves or the senior leader fails, well, then the church just kind of struggles and implodes upon itself because the church has put an imperfect human as the cornerstone of the church rather than Jesus Christ. And worship that should be directed toward Jesus has been redirected toward a person or people which is idolatry. The Word of God has to be the lens in which we see why we exist as a local church. The Word of God gives us clarity. It tells us who our God is, what He's done, who we are in light of what He has done. And so His words to His church must form the why of our mission. In Matthew 28, Jesus has brought his disciples together for something truly significant. This is post-resurrection Jesus. And for three plus years, these disciples have been following him, learning from him, serving alongside him, and Jesus will soon ascend to heaven. There is a real sense here among the disciples of what now? What now? We, we see it again in Acts 1.8. Okay, we've been following you in person for, for three plus years, but what now? Where, what should our lives be about Jesus. How do we continue in what you've begun, Lord Jesus? And with his words in Matthew 28, he will bring them to a unified mission. He will take a diverse group of disciples from various backgrounds and bring them to a common mission that, will give, that they will give their lives to. And all disciples of Jesus since, including you and me, are to give our lives to. So to break out the mission statement, we'll look at the first phrase. We exist to bring glory to God. We want our very being to exalt Him. We want our lives to reflect Him. When people encounter the ministry of Crosspoint or the people of Crosspoint, we want them ultimately to praise our Father in Heaven, that people would see in us that we're enjoying the Lord and see Him as supreme in our lives. 
The disciples worshipped Jesus when they saw him. There was a reverence they had toward the Lord, and for various reasons, one being in verse 18, that all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth. He is the image of the invisible God, according to Colossians. Hebrews 1.3 tells us that the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature. Sustaining all things by his powerful word, Jesus is worthy of worship. He's ruling and reigning, one day returning, and until that day, we exist to bring glory to God. But don't we already know that? I mean, why specifically put that in a mission statement? It's because we're prone to forget. Just like the Israelites in the Old Testament, we are prone to forget. Because we need reminded that our chief aim is not to bring us glory, but Him. The Westminster Catechism states the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. As God's people, we exist to make much of our God who has saved us, has redeemed us, and given us new abundant life, who is sustaining all things together by his powerful word, including our lives. The God who has sealed us with his Holy Spirit promised that even in earthly hardships, even death cannot separate us from his love. The prophet Habakkuk writes in chapter 2, verse 14, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's glory as the water covers the sea. In the life of this church, whether gathered together on a Sunday or scattered throughout the week, whether gathered to learn, to serve, to live as family, to be on mission, our prayers that we would bring glory to God and let His nature be visible through our lives to the watching world so that we might join in with the global church to see the earth filled with the knowledge of the Lord's glory. We exist to bring glory to God by making disciples of Jesus. Jesus, with all authority in heaven and on earth, the one who we bow our knees to and worship, the one who died and rose again for us, who, who we now live for, says this is the mission to give your life to. Every follower of Jesus has been given the responsibility to make disciples. Author Robert Coleman said this, God's plan for discipleship is not something, but someone. You are God's method. Every follower of Jesus is a disciple maker. Saved people are then sent people who show and tell of the good news of God's grace, empowered by the Spirit of God. Jesus' words are clear that his sovereign and good plan is for his followers to be active in disciple-making. This is not something you do later on in life, after you've hit that next stage of life, or after you've grown more in the faith. No, this is now, present day. Saved people are sent people. So today, from this place, children who trust in Jesus, students who do, adults who are followers and believers in Christ, we leave this place as missionaries, as people who have heard Jesus say to us, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, and we've dropped our nets, we've dropped our agendas, in other words. We've dropped our agendas and said, no, my life is going to be about your agenda, King of Kings, for such a time as this. Who is in your sphere of influence right now? Neighbors, coworkers, teammates, customers, clients, friends, roommates, people on your floor in college, your kids if you have them, uh, students in your classroom, people who you interact with on a daily basis. Almighty God, the God who is both transcendent 
and near, loves them, and in his sovereign wisdom, he's placed you into their life. You, a person who knows Jesus and is known and loved by Jesus. You, a person who has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. You, a person who has been changed and is being changed by the grace and power, the truth of Jesus. He's placed you and others into their life to show and tell of the love, the grace, the truth of our God. And maybe you're like, well, he should have found someone else. No. His sovereign wisdom who set the planets into motion. Let there be and there was, let there be and there was that God in his wisdom has placed you into their life. You, a member of his body, his flock, you are his plan A. You are in that family, on that team, go to that school, live in that house, care for those kids. You go to that place of business by God's divine providence because you are one of his missionaries. Have you ever thought that the reason that you have the skill that you have or the experience that got you that job, or how you landed at that house, none of that was by accident? There's a greater purpose occurring so that you could live out your identity as a sent one of Jesus who makes disciples of him? In the book of Acts thus far, in just the first five plus chapters, we see the good news spread rapidly through the lives of ordinary people who are compelled by the love of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit of God to be witnesses. We exist to bring glory to God by making disciples of Jesus, and then the last part, who live 3D together. Who is a disciple of Jesus? Well, according to Scripture, which is, again, the lens we look through, a disciple of Jesus is someone who loves the Lord with everything they have, loves others, and makes disciples. It's great commandment, great commission. In verses 19 and 20, he gives us three action verbs there. Go, baptize, and teach. And they all have behind them the driving force, the controlling verb of make disciples. How, how do we make disciples? It's through going, baptizing, and teaching. Jesus says, go. We, ex we bring glory to God when we make disciples of Jesus who are going as a way of life, who realize that life is not about us, but rather we live for the sake of his name, his purposes. We live with others in view. For that is how Jesus lived. That's why he came. We came so the lost might be found and the wanderer be brought home. The dead in sin might be made alive in Christ. And we follow in his missionary footsteps. Be encouraged, my brothers and sisters. The disciples in Matthew 28 had a mixture of worship and what? Doubt. Matthew includes that. I love that. So knowing that, Jesus then pours courage into those who are in his presence, who are still doubting. So we're not alone in that. He pours courage into that, and with all authority in heaven and earth, on earth, says, this is who I am. So we don't go in our own power, but we go in his. And then at the end, at the bookend of this, he promises, and remember, I'm with you to the very end of the age. So every step of going faith, you take every time you open your mouth to speak the name of Jesus, every time you seek to minister in the name of Jesus, in a way of Jesus, the Lord Jesus is with you. He's at work through your steps 
of faith-filled obedience. We bring glory to God when we are driven to reach people. Jesus this, then says, baptizing them. Bapti baptism is a public profession of faith in Christ. It illustrates our union with Christ. It also illustrates our union with his family, that we've been brought into, baptized into an eternal spiritual family with fellow brothers and sisters who are now fellow adoptees. We, we, we've all experienced new birth in Christ. That once we were separated, now we're joined. Once we we're hostile toward one another, now there's peace. Once we were not family, but now in Christ we are family. So when we pray for one another, when we grieve with one another, celebrate with one another, gather in fellowship, serve alongside each other, when we help one another grow up into Christ's likeness, when we bear one another's burdens and welcome others to carry that burden with us, when we forgive one another and pursue peace with one another, when we are along, alongside one another as the family, we glorify our heavenly Father. We bring glory to God when we make disciples of Jesus who are dedicated to one another and live out through our words, our way of life, the reality that we've been joined together so dearly loved vertically so that we might love one another in the same way. The last verb Jesus says to his gathered disciples is in order to fulfill the great commission, they must be teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. So we bring glory to God when we grow up into Jesus, when we are devoted to him. Don't miss the underlying assumption here in the Great Commission. In order to make disciples of Jesus, you have to be a disciple of Jesus. You can't lead someone to a place you haven't been yourself. You can't pass on what you don't possess. We bring glory to God when we live and grow as a follower of Jesus, when we love the Lord our God with everything. It exalts our God when we are growing to find our joy, our satisfaction, rest, delight, our purpose, and life in Him. We grow up into these things when we are committed to teaching everything that Jesus has commanded, when we're helping one another align our lives with his word, his way of life. Brothers and sisters, we've been called to mature in our faith. The greatest thing you can do for those around you, the greatest thing you can do to love those around you is to grow up into Christ-likeness, is to be more and more a reflection of him. The greatest way that you can prepare for whatever the future holds is to grow up into Christ-likeness today. To be that tree that's planted with its roots down deep in the truth so that in all seasons, hardship, beauty, thriving, just barely sustaining, in all seasons we would endure and we would thrive because our roots are not in circumstances but in the cornerstone Christ. So how will we pursue this mission? Well, it's the last word. It's together. We pursue this mission together. Every single metaphor or word picture in the uh, of the church in the New Testament implies together, implies community with one another. Family, a body, a flock, living stones, and so forth. There is a plural nature to life in the church. Yes, we are individuals, various parts of the body, for instance, but we've been joined together. So together, as God's people, we'll remain centered on the gospel, anchored to his word, dependent on the spirit, 
These are the postures of the how as together we pursue the mission of making disciples. And then finally we get to the what. What will we do in an effort to pursue the mission? Well, the what are activities such as this gathering on a weekly basis or next generation ministries of Sun Chasers and Hype and C20 in partnership with Crew. It's our local to global mission efforts. All these ministries are pointing and pulling in one direction toward bringing glory to God by making disciples. Another key discipleship ministry is, is that of community groups. People living in community with one another, growing as learners, as family, as servants, as missionaries. It's such a blessing to, to see evidence of, of his grace, especially this fall in life among community groups. Over a year and a half ago or so, uh, the Lord answered prayer by bringing Pastor Dave and Jess and their family to join the Crosspoint family as we grow together. And Dave's heart is not just that we would sing corporately and worship the Lord as a gathered people, but so that we would live together as the people of God, normal life with gospel intentionality. The Lord is definitely using community groups in the mission to make disciples. As an elder team for the past year and a half or two years, We've been praying, discussing, reading books, dreaming about how to strengthen our discipleship efforts as a church. As a church, we want to make grace-driven, spirit-led progress. We don't want to celebrate 20 years and go, that was fun, and let's just coast toward shuffleboard life, right? We want to make grace-driven, spirit-led progress in making disciples for the glory of God and the good of his church and for the good of those yet to be reached. And the specific verb from Matthew 28 that we know we must grow in as a church is that of teaching. As we've seen in Jesus' words, teaching is vital to the mission. In Acts 2, verse 42, the early disciples were devoted to multiple things, including the apostles' teaching. So how can we grow in this? Well, I want to share with you one specific next step we are taking in 2024 in strengthening our teaching here. As we follow Jesus together, we believe we, we need both community-oriented discipleship spaces, so community groups, as well as learning-oriented discipleship spaces, what we'd call classes. We believe these two environments should, and, and, and they can and they should, supplement one another as we grow up into the fullness of Jesus, the head of the church. Notoriously, churches uh, feel like they have to go either or. So, well, we're all about groups and only groups. Or we're all about classes and only classes. We don't feel like you should choose. Why? Why do we have to choose? We see benefit and beauty in both. We believe we need both, teaching and learning and community with one another. They can and should happen in both a group and a class. And in each environment, one kind of takes the lead over the other. So, for instance, in a class, does community with one another happen? Well, of course. But learning and teaching is kind of 1A and community is 1B. In a community group, is, is learning happening? Well, we pray it is. But community with one another is probably 1A and learning and, and teaching is 1B, if you will. So what will classes look like in this next year? Well, we pray that classes would be active and transformative learning environments where both teaching and training will take place. They won't simply be an information download for 45 minutes but they will include opportunities for group discussion and practice. We'll be teaching and training, Lord willing, with a sending out mentality. 
Because we're not just consumers. No, we're, we're missionaries being trained and being encouraged so that we are sent out into our homes, our church, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, into the nations on mission. So we pray the content of classes will affect not just our heads, but our hearts and our hands. We believe in order for disciples of Jesus to live 3D together, we, we believe that they must be growing in three things. In understanding of God's word. They must be founded in distinctly Christian beliefs. And they must be living that out through Jesus abiding practices. We believe these are indispensable categories that translate to any age, any context, whether here or around the world. So classes are categorized into, to simplify it, Bible, beliefs, and practices. Because no matter your age, your marital status, your maturity in the faith, where you are on this earth to grow up into Jesus, we must be growing in an in, in understanding of his word. We must be anchored to distinctly Christian beliefs and not the beliefs of this world. And we must be living that out through Jesus' abiding practices. So who is invited to engage in classes? Sixth grade on up. We believe the next generation is not just the church of tomorrow, but the church of today. And so we want to see students and adults engaged in, in these classes. When will we... Uh, when will what we're calling 3D, uh, living 3D classes happen? Well, they'll, they'll happen on a quarterly basis. One of our key things we've talked about is we desire to see classes and community groups supplement one another and not compete with one another, but rather that these two environments would strengthen one another and thus be uh, classes would be implemented with sustainable, predictable calendar rhythms. Classes will be held on a quarterly basis, winter, spring, summer, and fall, our hope would be that community groups would build these, these two nights into their semester, into their plans as they approach the coming months, as they think about their planning, and that cross-pointers not engaged in groups would be able to find a sense of community and find a next step through these classes. And when we do engage in a class, we'll do uh, that together alongside one another. So Lord willing, in 2024, the dates for classes, Wednesday evenings, the first couple are January 17th and 24th. Then we get to April, we get to July, and then we get to October on a quarterly basis. The hope, again, is sustainable, predictable calendar rhythms, a steady, ongoing environment for teaching that supplements and strengthens our existing discipleship efforts. From this gathering to Next Generation Ministries, to community groups, to our mission efforts. So for January 24. Uh, again, those dates are 17th and the 24th. The two classes will be what is the Bible and family worship, the why and how of family worship. These are two-part classes. So, for example, what is the Bible? Part one will be January 17th. Part two will be the 24th and same with family worship. Classes will happen here at the building. Um, January is a wee bit chilly in the shed, so probably the, the, uh, the other class will be happening off-site at Eureka Middle School. Child care is provided. We want this an opportunity for the church to, to take steps forward together as we grow up into Jesus. Here in uh, next year and the year after, the goal would be to focus on some foundational classes that we'd anticipate uh, doing again in future years. So each quarter, our plan would be that two classes would come from two of the three different buckets. So this next, in January, we've got a, a Bible's bucket. What is the Bible? And family worship, that's a practices bucket. 
This week you'll see details about how to sign up and next steps in that way. As an elder team, as a staff, we're hopeful and we're excited. We believe this is a, a spirit-led next step for us to take uh, to continually grow in, in living out that great commission of teaching all that Jesus has commanded us. Because that's the why. As a church, we're not just doing stuff to do stuff. We're not just going like, oh, this is a good idea. Let's throw that at the dartboard. Well, this is the why. Why do we exist? We exist to bring glory to God by making disciples of Jesus who live 3D together. What's the one next step? To grow in teaching. To grow in active learning environments where together we're alongside one another growing up into the head of the church. Our prayer is that as we pursue the mission to make disciples, that the Lord would cause the growth, that the word of God would spread, that the number of people coming to faith in Christ would increase, that the number of believers being trained and sent out would increase, that churches would be planted, that churches would be strengthened and built up. In the words of Habakkuk, that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's glory as the water covers the sea. As we move back into singing, uh, we're going to give our offering here in these last couple songs. And uh, so let's, let's pray as we prepare our hearts back to respond in worship. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have all authority in heaven and on earth. Thank you that you're with us to the very end of this age. You are faithful. You have been so faithful to your church here, Lord, for 20 plus years. You have shepherded your flock. You've given life to your branches. You've empowered your body. You've been a faithful provider for your church out ahead of us in ways that we didn't see, but you did because of your wisdom and your sovereign goodness. You have been our cornerstone, and as your living stones, we give you thanks. Help us, Lord, by your grace, your word, and your spirit. Help us to go and to baptize and to teach in a way that would be for the good of people and for your glory. Help us walk and live together as fellow learners, as family, as servants of you, as missionaries in your name. You are faithful to cause the growth as your people plant and water. We trust in you, and we trust in you alone, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it.